Well, friends, we continue our series in the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, again, where, where are we? Where are we? We are looking at how the gospel, how this Jesus Christ factor affects households. How is it affecting households? And in a household, you have husband and wife. And so you have the gospel affecting that relationship. You know, uh, husbands love your wives as Jesus loves the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. Right? Then we, we looked at how the gospel affected the relationship between parents and children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Last week, dads, don't exasperate your children in love. In love, grow them up in the training of the Lord. Right? And in the household was also, in that, in that time, in that, in that context, masters and slaves in the household. Okay? Because it's a relationship, it too is affected by the gospel. The gospel affects relationships. Amen? Relationships is the commodity. Relationships. And so... Although we'll be looking at a very familiar text, and its application can be pretty easily assumed, this morning I'm going to sort of unearth what's not said. What's not said. So even in the introduction, as you see this gospel coming to Ephesus, and now through the church, Paul teaching the church how to live with this gospel with each other, let's just take note again that the Jesus factor affects all our relationships, all of them. Blood family, non-family. Friends, acquaintances. Moms and dads, children, grandparents, aunts, uncles, you name it. Even slaves and masters. Or, you know, in our context, they're workers and co-workers. The gospel, I hope, is affecting your relationships at work. Outside the home. Amen? This gospel, it can't be contained. It impregnates relationships and changes relationships because it, it deals with people's hearts. And of course, attached to people's hearts are people. Okay. I mean, God himself, in essence, is relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's relationship. So friends, double click. Our relationships matter. They matter to God and they matter to us. Amen? Alright. They matter to God and they matter to us. Wives, husbands, husbands, wives, parents, children, children, parents, slaves, masters, masters, slaves. Now, it's very important when we come to a text like this, when we hear the word slave... We have our own idea, you know, our own understanding. And we need to put that down, and we need to go to what does slave mean then? All right, so let's go to the first century world and try and, and let slave just speak for itself before we impose any meaning on it. Okay, and slave then, well, was totally normal. Totally normal. Half, more than half the population in Rome is slave. All right? So, kids, you would be saying at school, uh, my dad's a master. Oh, my dad's a slave. You know? My, my, 
my husband's a master, my husband's a slave. My uncle's a master, my uncle's a slave. My best friend is a master, my best friend is a slave. You, it was as normal as the stock exchange. It was as normal as slavery. The, and the economy as such too. The economy of slavery. I mean, it was massive. It was the economy for much of the world, especially in the Mediterranean. Okay, so normal. Nothing wrong. We're going to get to that just now. But understand, slaves, non-issue. Non-issue. 90 million relationships. So, here comes this gospel into the household, and now it starts poking at the nerve of this godless institution, even slavery and masters. You with me? All right. It's going to scrap. It's going to, it's going to poke it in a big way. All right. Now, and, and to be a slave, you know, it, it was like almost, you want to be a slave sometimes, especially if you have no economy. You have no independence. You have no skill set. I mean, you have nothing. You would want to be a slave. If you found a good master, that master would get you educated, get your skill set. And, you know, on the average, by 30, you could be free. You could be a free man. If, if it worked out well and the stars aligned, you know, you could be the skill set and have your freedom bought. So it wasn't something sort of shown. It was something run to. Doctors are slaves. Lawyers are slaves. Uh, carpenters. I mean, really, all accountants, lawyers, teachers, farmers, potters, miners, cooks were slaves. And so they were well-skilled. Well-skilled. People would want to be a slave just to become independent if their circumstances were, were poor. Okay? Now... And on the whole, on the whole, like, like anything else, you know, there are some people that shouldn't be slave owners. You know, there are some people that shouldn't be masters. Just like I'm sure you said, there are some people that shouldn't be bosses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just are. Oh, they're in that mix. And so you had, you definitely had in this godless institution, masters who were very uncivil. I mean, it's recorded that Emperor Augustine, I mean, he, had, he sent a slave with a letter. The letter was compromised. You know, it was open and he read it. Came back, he broke his legs. Uh, and a, a master was not accountable to anyone. He had full rights to treat, say, do anything he wanted with his slave. And so you can understand that that kind of, uh, of culture can go very toxic and very, very bad. And it often did. Teeth were broken. Legs were broken. Uh, slaves were separated from their families. They were extorted. They were manipulated. They were used. Because that's the condition of our humanity. That's, that's where the heart can go. And it often would go that way. Well, Emperor Augustine. Uh, Coagulus, right? Just for stealing, fingers are cut off. It was said that, I mean, if you coughed or sneezed while your master was eating, you were whipped. It, it gets ridiculous. It's shocking. It's shocking. All right. But on the whole, on the whole, understand, 90 million relationships. It's a general, you know, the kid got a career in slavery. 
All right, and that's not a bad thing. It could lead to freedom. It could lead you to be sort of autonomous and well on your way. All right, so, right. It was impossible for this gospel not to touch those relationships. It was impossible. So what is unsaid? Let's read the text and then I'll speak about what's underneath. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. And just so far, may God bless the reading of his word to us today. We stand 2,000 years plus later. We see the outworking of this godless institution and we see its end. But understand that no one thought slavery was a bad idea. And no one wanted to end slavery. Not even good people. Morally good people. How does this come undone? It comes undone, and this is where I want to point on, through the gospel, changing people's hearts, changing their relationships in the household, punted by the church. Simple things. And everybody, simple things. This is... A simple thing you are in a household, simple thing you are connected to a church, simple thing you are submitted to the Word of God. But friends, it's not a small matter. It changed and undid this godless institution over time. But it happened. How? Not with Paul, you know, raising up a crowd protesting slavery, raising up a new policy or a new agenda and a new better governance. Now, all those things are good in themselves, but that's not how it was upended. It was upended with the preaching of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, you receiving His forgiveness. Now, you love one another. Now, you walk in this newness of life. You have His righteousness. Households working this out, churches working this out. So simply preaching the gospel, being in a family, connected to a church, it was undone. And so, ABC, I say, underneath this, it's profound. There are other godless institutions all around us. You couldn't be more on point by having the gospel in your heart, Learning to have relationships, mom and dad, children and parents, masters and slaves, letting this affect your relationships at home or at work or at sport, wherever. Let it affect your relationships because you have no idea what godless institutions are being upended just because of your change of heart. And God is speaking to the slaves and masters at this time because they must share this. 
They must share this good news with others. They must get this out. No one was even thinking of upending slavery. But God was. God was thinking, I'm going to upend this. I'm going to turn this godless institution upside down. And I'm going to turn it upside down in heart. Amen? So it is no small thing, everyone. I know our gathering is, is smallish. Our church is smallish. It's weakish. It's vulnerable. It looks impotent. But beloved, when a heart is changed towards the gospel, there's nothing more powerful. Nothing more powerful. And here's this gospel infecting households. That's not a small thing. Affecting households, affecting relationships outside the house, making major, major changes. So I just want to punt that and what's underpinning this radical transformation. But I'll be brief, but let's break it down here. How, how exactly is the slave obedience to taste like? What is it to look like? What is it to smell like? Okay? Slaves, it says obey. You understand that application? When the master speaks his words, you come under the words, you submit to the words, you do as those words say. That's understandable. Obey your earthly masters. So masters, you, uh, slaves, you see your masters in a different light now. This is earthly. This is fading. This is temporary. This is a vapor. All right? Why? What's changed? You know the master. That's who you know. You know that one. This one is temporary. This one is finite. This one is human. It's flesh. Okay, so whether he's in a good mood or a bad mood, it's temporary. Whether he's fair or unfair, whether you're getting along with him or you're not getting along with him, know this. He's your master, but he's temporary. He's temporary. And you're obeying the master. The master. You're connected to something higher. Something not temporary, but eternal. Not fading, but infinite. Not coming today, gone tomorrow, but is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So, you're looking at a much higher... Lift your gaze, slaves. Lift Look at me. Because when you look at me, you get a proper perspective of who this person is. Because as you can understand, the master was everything. That person held his future, literally. Had full authority. Had the final say. That master could kill him. And God is saying, look a bit higher. Look a bit higher. Look at me. He is earthly. He is earthly. All right? Just, I mean, just four words. Major perspective change. Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. With respect and fear. I mean, this is shocking. This is shocking, isn't it? A slave to, for his obedience to look like this, taste like this, smell like this. The attitude is fear and trembling. In fact, the King James Version, the literal version is with trembling. It must come out of you that you literally are trembling before this master. God, he wants the obedience of a slave the, for the master to taste this kind of obedience. He wants that. He wants that kind of respect. It's like respect on steroids. Okay? A deep, 
deep respect. It's remarkable. But that's what God wants and you'll see why just now, alright? Slaves obey your parents, uh, your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. This can't be fake. This has got to come from the inside out. It's got to be real. It's got to be sincere. It can't be, okay, the boss is watching. <laughs> and when he's not watching, you know what I mean? Hey kids, you know what that is, eh? <laughs> it can't be, oh, okay, his eyes on me, I've got to do it. Now his eyes are off of me. Ah, you know? No, no, no. Whether his eyes are on you or his eyes are off of you, whether you're on duty or not locked or clocked in, your obedience is from the heart. It's sincere. It's passionate. It's not, hey boss, I hate your guts. It's not like that. <laughs> right. This is remarkable. With sincerity of heart, comma. Like he's not done, eh? Whew, here we go. Comma. Just as you would obey Christ. I mean... That is now another level. Obey this earthly guy or girl as you obey the master. I want it equal. That's a high, high bar. There's be no difference. The obedience you give me, I want you to give to him. That's smelling like me, tasting like me, soaking in me. And that would be stunning. That would turn the whole household upside down. What are you doing? And so, you can see where this is going. Before Jesus Christ, you're obeying, but you're obeying with the wrong mindset of the Master. You're obeying for other reasons. They're shallow. They're fake. It's not real, it's pretense, it's unconcerned. After Jesus, your obedience takes a whole revolution. Your whole revolution. That's what Jesus does. Jesus is not just your ticket to heaven. Amen? Jesus changes you. And in the situation, the situation may not change, but you change. You change. Your response to the situation changes. How you react to the situation changes. Your attitude, your behavior, that changes. Jesus does that. Radically. And it's God's design, you know, that He be so merciful to the Master's. I mean, they get that. They get this loyal, loving, passionate, worshipful, goodwill slave. I mean, that's mercy. Is that mercy? That's reckless mercy. <laughs> that's crazy love. Crazy. To taste that kind of obedience in the midst of this godless institution. It's unbelievable. Such deep obedience. Serve wholeheartedly. Bad mood, good mood. Good habits, bad habits. Injustices. That's what God is looking at. I mean, who wouldn't want a slave like that? That would be the envy of every master. 
I want a Christian slave. Right? Let's understand. I, I want a Christian slave. Verse 6, Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes are on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, verse 7, as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Here's this verse 8. Look at this. Because you know. Something else you want to know. God wants you to know this slave. That the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do. Whether they are slave or free. God wants you to know slave. That everything good that you do will be equally rewarded. God wants you to know. I see it. I know it. I heard it. I'm there with you. And every good that you do, I will reward. Look at me. Look at me. Now, the slave, all they're thinking of is retirement at 30. Okay? That's what they're thinking. I mean, just being general now. That's what they're aiming for. And God says, look up. Look at me. I'll reward you. Whether you're free or not, I will give you reward. I will repay you. I've not overlooked that. I see it. I know it. I heard it. Look at me. So your obedience has no excuse to be lacking. Your, your heart, its passion, its loyalty, its respect, its trembling, its consistency, you know, whether he's on or off, whether the master's having a good day or a bad day, whether the task is a nice task or a cruddy task, whatever it is, there's no excuse not to be on that par because the master himself is going to reward every act. Now friends, let the Holy Spirit apply that to you in whatever way. But I hope it takes courage and I hope it takes hope. We may not be in that kind of context, but we're in a similar context. Know this, when you're aligned to the master, when your eyes are on that one, he sees everything good you do and He will reward it. He will reward it. This is shocking. And masters, verse 9, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. That would have been a whole 360. So here's this faithful, loyal, passionate, godly, goodwill slave giving me the best when I deserve it the least. Right? That's grace. And I am to equalize that. I am to reciprocate that. I am to do the same. That's God's design. Same integrity, same loyalty, same obedience, same respect. This is unheard of. No one's thinking of this. No politician is thinking of and drafting this kind of policy. This is Jesus. Then he says, treat it in the same way. Do not threaten them. Okay? Cut that chain. Cut that culture of manipulating them. And, and they, they could get stuff done. I mean, you, you say to someone, I will take your wife away if you don't do this. I mean, of course the guy's going to jump. You know, and do whatever. No, no threatens. You're not going to break legs, knock out teeth, separate families, sexually harass them. You're not going to beat them. You're not going to whip them. Drop that chain. Drop it. Why? Because having Jesus in your heart, you now see that. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's offensive. 
There's no profit in that. That's shocking. I mean, for a master to drop that game plan would have changed everything. All right, do not threaten him, comma, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. This also would have been shocking. That, hey, master, listen, that slave under you is actually right next to you in my kingdom. In my kingdom, the two of you are the same. I am the master of both of you. I own both of you. You both obey me, worship me, listen to me. I saved both of you equally. You live equally for me. You can see how that would have changed things. I mean, at church, the contract ends. <laughs> at church, they're preaching together, praying together, singing together, ministering together, loving together. They're the same. There's no difference. And that would have been shocking. So as I wrap this up in application, unmistakable, don't hear, um, it's preaching, it could seem on the surface that God is condoning slavery. He's not condoning slavery. It was the way of the time. You know, just like polygamy. God does not condone polygamy, but it was the way. But he is getting straight to the heart of slavery, is he not? Which is the heart of man. And so undoing slavery from the inside out. And friends, that's our motto from here. Whatever evil institution, and it's swarming around us. It's swarming. It's all around us. How do we tackle it? Not marching on the streets, protesting. That may, may or not help. <laughs> but ultimately, you preach that one. Amen? You preach that one, you sing that one, you proclaim that one. And what did he do? He came, he died to give you forgiveness of sin. To change your heart. Simple. Preaching the gospel. In the family. Connected to a church. I mean, where are they getting this instruction? At the church. Paul is reading the letter to the church. They're getting this. Simple. And at church, these households are being changed. Simple thing. And so, that's our ethos, ABC. What we are doing is very significant. Holding to the Word of God, obeying its instruction, working it out in our households and in our relationships, and letting God's kingdom come. Amen? And His will be done. We couldn't be more on point. I know we're not placarding. I know we're not raising a big budget to be a big government campaign or whatever. You know, there's a role for that. Those administrations, those policy makers, those governors, there's a role for that. But church, don't lose sight of real change. Real change. We could have the most righteous laws. It doesn't mean the man has changed. But Jesus changes hearts and nothing else. Amen? He is the peacemaker. He is the peacemaker. So remember that going forward and all that we have to navigate in this crazy upside down world and this godless society. Just remember the basics. Okay. Right. We also have a culture where everything's polarized. 
If you're not of that view, then you're of that view. You know? And we can get very polarized. Jesus is our peace. He's our peacemaker. Preach the gospel. Work it out at home. Work it out in relationships. Connect it to a church. Obey the word of God. Simple. Simple. Not easy, but simple. And that is our ethos going forward. And then I conclude with this. It's not in the text, but it is there. It's been pointed to. And I just want to highlight to all of us our remuneration. You and I must redefine our remuneration. We tend to define our remuneration by our net pay. Our net pay. That's my remuneration. Or your gross pay. Friends, in Christ Jesus, you have major remuneration. You have everything. Did you know that? You already have everything. Because in Ephesians chapter 1, are we reminded of the mountain of remuneration that we have? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How rich are we? We are, we are rich. We are rich. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Friends, what you are in Christ was determined eternity past. You're set to be holy and blameless. And in love, He predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Friends, your forgiveness is not a cheap thing. It's not a small thing. It's bigger than your net worth, your growth worth, it's bigger than your, equi your equity. It's bigger than your estate. It's everything. Your forgiveness of sins, you have everything. Amen? Got to put that back up there. Not lose sight of, now we're all you know, trying to get our freedom and get our life out of the slavery. But you know what? We tend to make that the big thing. It's not the big thing. Yes, I want to retire. You're good, all right. But it doesn't compare to what you've received in Christ. Amen? Good boss or bad boss, working or not working, contracts, no contracts, clients, no clients, doesn't matter. What you have in Christ is the super thing. And you have everything and you're content in that. Let's be reminded that our remuneration has been completely transformed. Completely transformed. It says here in 1 verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So never mind what we've received, what we're looking forward to. Our remuneration is completely turned upside down. We have a huge inheritance waiting for us. You know, friends, we will be co-heirs with Christ and everything is under His feet. You already own everything. We have everything. 
All that's under his feet is under our feet. Amen? We have everything. So we're not going to lose it and force people to do stuff they don't want to do. We're not going to lose it when we're asked to do stuff we don't want to do. Because we have everything. We have everything. Our remuneration has totally been transformed. 1 Peter 1 verse 4. Into an inheritance that can never spoil or fade or perish. Kept in heaven for you. Amen? Amen. Oh man, good boss or bad boss, nothing compares to the inheritance we have. The devil may trample us, temptations may try us. We may seem like sheep to a slaughter. It won't be easy. It wasn't easy. But it ends well. He was remunerated. Amen? He was remunerated. And likewise for you, beloved, whatever the injustice, whatever the pain, whatever the setback, whatever the commotion, whatever the uncertainty, whatever the godlessness out there, friends, we will praise, we will pray, and we will preach. Amen? Because that changes hearts. And ours is eternity forever. We will pray, we will preach, we will praise. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, but the man that the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And that makes us smile. Let's pray.